for Monk podcast. This week we have Danny Weinkoff of the band They Might Be Giants and also a noted uh, children's music uh, producer and composer and performer as well. Um, I uh, was very excited to to get a chance to talk to him. I, you know, he's been with uh, They Might Be Giants as long as They Might Be Giants has had a backing band. Uh, so... I, I think he said 96 or 97. So he's been there since pretty much the beginning. Um, when, once the Johns decided to, uh, to add a, a full band behind them. So that was all really great. And then we got to spend a lot of time talking about, uh, the children's music industry, which is, you know, as an adult, uh, not something I've given a whole lot of thought until this. And it is really interesting. And, uh, it was kind of eye-opening to to think about the the business side of you know getting music to kids, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I wanted to thank Peter, our friend from uh, up in Athens, who's also been on the show, um, for kind of suggesting that we reach out to Danny um, and kind of helping us bridge that gap there. But yeah, I'm really excited to hear this one. I, I think he might have had some that uh, Danny might have been involved with uh fountains of wayne if i'm not mistaken too which is he pretty was. cool um, yeah, he played on the the first fountains of wayne record nice yeah man yeah i'm excited to hear what you guys had to chat about but yeah thanks for listening everybody and this is our episode with danny from they might be giants enjoy Yeah, yeah. Well, Jody, as I said, Jody was originally from Charleston, and we were, um, we were living. He was he had moved to New York City. He was living with Britta Phillips, who became his wife uh, um, after that. They, they were just dating at the time, but they met. Britta was filming a movie called um, Satisfaction that starred Justine Bateman, and Britta was one of the stars in the movie. Britta now plays in Luna, and she plays with uh, Dean and Britta. Um, she you know she's a singer and a songwriter herself and stuff but anyway oh, yeah. so jody moved to new york he moved to new york to be with britta and then put a band together and that's when i met jody and i met britta and i was playing with him and uh we had uh, a couple of different drummers we went over to england to do some recording and like literally i as i was getting on the plane to go to england for a month Jody told me that when we get back from England, we're going to move down to Charleston because I know a drummer down there. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, we got back from England. I packed up my stuff from New York, and we moved, I moved down to Charleston, um, as I said, and I lived above Pete's, Pete's dad's bodega um, for a little while. And then, uh, so we were only there for a couple of months, and it was because there, there was a drummer down there. Uh, what is his name now? I'll, I'll think of it. Really great guy. He was in this band called the Groovy Cools and some other bands. He was a guitar player in most of the other bands, but he also played drums very well. Um, anyway, we moved down there to to so we didn't have to. You know, Jody felt like rather than continuing to look in New York, um, let's just go with this guy that I know is good. And so we went down. You know, we moved down to Charleston, um, and then I was there for a couple of months, and Hurricane Hugo hit. 
um, which I don't know if you remember Hurricane Hugo, but it uh, it devastated Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we uh, I moved back to New York after that, and then eventually the band moved back to New York, and, and then uh, things happened and we parted ways. But, um, uh, yeah, that's that's the story of getting back there. It was basically, <laughs> to, to you know, Jody, I guess, was just wanted to switch from, New, you know, he was maybe wanted to be back in Charleston a little bit and brought Britta down there and we knew the drummer and anyway. Um, yeah, so that's the, that's the bell tower, um, story. That was, that was back. That was way back in like the late eighties. Um, yeah, I, I think Hugo would have been 89. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So yeah. So I was, yeah, I was with them back then and then they they went they wound up moving the bell tower continued uh, they they moved to england and made a couple of records over there in england um and then later on uh jody wound up when i played with fountains of wayne i did their first record and when we were recording the album it was just me uh, chris collingwood who's the singer um a guitar player and one of the songwriters and then adam schlesinger who was the other songwriter? Um, and Adam passed away recently of COVID in the beginning of uh, the pandemic. He 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 passed away actually. But um, uh, Adam and Chris and I went into the studio and recorded the whole first Fountains of Wayne album. And then those guys asked me to to join them in the band and go on tour and stuff. But I was also playing in other bands at the time, um, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't wind up playing with Fountains of Wayne as much as I would have liked to. Um, and uh, Jody Porter wound up joining Fountains of Wayne. So instead of having uh, me play bass, Adam was going to play guitar. They instead had Jody come in the band as a guitar player, and then Adam played bass. Um, and you know, and they went on to to make a bunch more records, and they did you know all the Welcome Interstate Managers and Stacy's Mom and all the other stuff they're they're known for. Um, and Adam had a lot of other, a lot of other uh, uh, plates spinning at the time. You know, he he did many many things, he, um, including having a band Ivy and a band called Tinted Windows, and um, doing lots of music for television and movies and that thing you do and things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You have, you have such a such a network of folks. Uh, yeah, we did. You know, there, there was a time, there was a time in the, in like the mid nineties in New York where it felt like there was so much happening right there in, 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 uh, in our little part of like the downtown Manhattan scene that, you know, there was Fountains of Wayne were recording their album. I did, I was with a band called Lincoln that, that, um, had Dan Miller, who's also in They Might Be Giants with me now. He and I were in this band Lincoln. The drummer in that band was this guy, Gonzalo Martinez, who wound up playing with Marcy Playground at one point And, um, you know, the same time that Lincoln was making a record, Fountains of Wayne was making a record, uh, this guy, Mike Viola, who had Mike Viola and Candy Butchers, he was making an album. And that's actually why I didn't play with Fountains of Wayne. I wound up playing with Mike Viola, um, <clears throat> and recording with Lincoln at, at the time that Fountains were going to go on tour. Um, and Mike is now out in LA and he's done all kinds of movie soundtracks and, and, produced Jenny Lewis and worked with, you know, um, Panic at the Disco and, you know, lots of big acts and stuff like that. So there were, there were a lot of people that wound up continuing in the business that, that, uh, you know, stayed in bands or made their own records or, or worked with a lot of other people. And, you know, of course they might be giants was there in New York. So I wound up playing with two bands that went on tour as the opening act for they might be giants 
And that's how I eventually wound up in the band. I was on tour with Mike Viola with his band Candy Butchers. We were the opening act for, for They Might Be Giants for over a little over a year, I guess. And then right after that, I went on tour with the band Lincoln promoting our first record. And, and uh, they were the opening act for They Might Be Giants. So at, at one point, the, the bass player who was playing with uh, TMBG at that time was also playing with Iggy Pop, um, Hal Cragen, and uh, he he asked me to cover for him for a couple of the couple of TMBG shows because he had uh, Iggy Pop gigs, and I covered for him. And then uh, John Flansburg from They Might Be Giants said, "Well, you know, instead of being the guy covering for him, why don't you just join our band?" And that was, I guess, in '97 or something like that. And and I've been playing with them ever since. That's so, awesome. Did did you also yeah. uh, recruit Dan Miller? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, Dan and I, uh, I, I started playing with TMBG and, um, about a month later, um, you know, John Flansburg was asking about Dan saying, Hey, you know, we used to have an ex- another guitar player in the band. Do you think Dan would be good for the band? And I said, you know, absolutely. And, and, uh, so he, he joined only like a month or a month and a half after I did. Um, and then we, we, Flansburg had a solo project at the time called Monopuff, um, and, and Dan and I played some shows with them and then uh, continued to play with TMBG. And we still, you know, we're still working with them now. So it's been over 20 years. It's been long. Uh, you know, you never know how things are going to go in the world of bands. But uh, this has been a very, uh, a very good uh, fit for, for all of us, I think. So, um, yeah. When the two of y'all joined, They Might Be Giants already had a pretty big following you know, exactly. Flood yeah. was yeah. obviously a big thing. Yeah. Um, was that, what was that like, you know, playing, playing all these bands and then, uh, you know, getting invited to, to play along with this band that already had fans, you know, uh, that already it, expected it, a certain thing of them and stuff like that. Was that, was that challenging? Um, yeah, it was challenging, but I would say that the thing that was, the the thing that was most noticeable was our quality of life. <laughs> um, you, we we went from and and John Flansburg actually when he when he asked me to join he said listen you know because we actually the band that I was playing with that at the time that he asked me to join their band was this band Lincoln that was managed by the same management company. So he said listen I know you know Jamie Kitman from Hornblow is managing you guys he manages us and. You've been on tour for years now. You've been opening us up for us for you know more than a couple of years. You know I know you're experienced, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's not the same. Everything's going to step up a notch. You know he said, take my word for it. And and he you know he was <laughs> very uh, right on the money with that. You know I went from like playing in a band that you know when we were opening for They Might Be Giants, we would tour in a van. And you know four band members and the tour manager would all get pile into a van. And we'd have like a, a a trailer behind us carrying our gear and stuff, and we'd load our own gear and unload our gear and drive all day to get to the gig, and then do our sound check, and then do the gig, and then maybe drive some more or go to sleep in a hotel, and then drive all day the next day to make it to sound check, you know. And and then it went to TMBG, who you know we tour in our own tour bus and stay in nice hotels and. I got a good night's sleep every night and it just, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot healthier and, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's one step closer to, you know, uh, to the, to the good life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, so that was a big, uh, that was a real noticeable difference. You know, Dan and I had really been, you know, just sort of paying our dues and, you know, enjoying playing the music, but, but, not enjoying spending 10 hours a day in a van with five other guys, especially when a couple of them smoke and you don't and that sort of thing. So uh, being in TMG has been, you know, great in, uh, on many, many levels, but also just in the quality of life. It's, it was a big improvement. Um, it was challenging. You know, it, the thing is when, when I was in the band Candy Butchers, um, they, they, Mike Viola is a, is a very, very gifted songwriter and writes sort of complicated songs you know they still fit in the category of pop music but the chord progressions are generally pretty involved and stuff just just much like tmbg not stylistically like tmbg necessarily but but i I think complexity wise there's similarities in them and uh so i was used to you know playing with with mike I, i always felt like i had to really be on my best every show because he would hear anything that wasn't didn't sound right and I just, I just really wanted the music to sound great. So I was, it, it, that was challenging. So I was kind of used to being challenged musically. And then, uh, so then when TMBG came along, it, 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 it just felt right. It, it really felt like a good fit. And, and I love the fact that their, their music is not, you know, simple in comparison to some other rock bands and stuff. Um, and it's generally eclectic, you know, this, they, they, they kind of don't have any limits on what kind of style a song might have or, or, you know, what musical direction things can go in when we're recording and stuff. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been challenging, but, but in, in such a good way, you know, it's when we get into the studio and we're recording tracks and, you know, generally we record the songs before we ever play them. We're not, we're not a band that sort of goes out and plays the new songs on tour and then, gets into the studio and plays them, you know, plays them down because they've been playing them so much live. We basically learn the songs the day we're in the studio and record it that minute. Um, and so it's, everything's brand new when we're in the studio. And so it, it's, it's like a, it's like a really pleasant uh, pressure cooker where you, you want to come up with something great really quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's like, that's probably the most fun experience I have with any band is, is being in the room with TMBG and, and like just having the new songs brought in and like, okay, let's hear what, you know, what's the chord progression? What's the groove? What's this? All right. You know, how am I going to lock in with the drummer, Marty Bell, or, how, you know, what suits the song the best? And um, that's challenging, but also really, really fun. Yeah, I, I bet so. I bet that that gives you a chance to kind of like capture your creativity and your like, you know, spark of inspiration in the moment, uh, because you don't have six months of touring to get tired of, <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, you know, basically like we don't really even know we don't know the songs well enough to play them live by the time they're recorded. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're, we have little, you know, we'll make little notes in front of ourselves with the chord progressions and, you know, at this bar, this is going to come in and whatever. And we all have our own like hieroglyphics that we use to, to chart what we're going to play or whatever. But, um, yeah, I can't even, uh, you know, the, probably the one or two times that I get through the tune, that's what winds up on the record, <laughs> you know, cause we're working on our parts and working, you know, what comes next and what's, how does this groove change in the bridge and et cetera, et cetera. So, 
<laughs> it's all so fresh and, and, uh, and they're, you know, John and John are very open to everybody sort of bringing in their own skill set and, and offering up whatever they can to the song. And if they have specific ideas, they'll weigh in. And, and also, you know, because we've all been doing it so long and, and Dan and I knew each other before they might be giants and, and actually Marty and Dan and I knew each other before Marty joined the band, like, I guess seven years after Dan and I joined, um, we've known each other for years and years and played in different bands and things. So like when we're in the studio, we, there's no sort of ego to worry about. Like if, if I think that, you know, mine and Marty's parts will be better if, if the kick drum pattern changes, you know, I feel comfortable saying, Hey Marty, what if you tried this on the kick instead of the, the pattern you're doing now? And then he'll try it. And then we'll kind of look at each other and decide like, okay, does that make it better? And, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but I don't have to worry, you know, about, about him being offended or something. I'm not telling him how to play drums. I'm just saying, Hey, you know, I have an idea for something that I'm hearing against, you know, what the vocal is doing or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is for changing it. Um, and they feel the same way with me. They'll, they'll make suggestions, you know, Dan, you know, we all sort of play many instruments and record in our home studios, et cetera. So, Dan will feel comfortable saying, Hey, you know, maybe play a little less busy in this one section or, or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, that might be the best, that may be the thing that I wasn't thinking of, you know, when we go into the session. So, um, it's, it's, it's a really, um, collaborative, uh, fun process. Yeah. That, uh, I think people would be really interested in seeing y'all's hieroglyphics, mapping out the songs yeah yeah no i mean i've i've looked over at marty's you know marty's thing and and it it there he writes he actually writes like notes you know they're like musical notes with the round part at the bottom and the stems on the top and whatever but it's not you know it's not like a full tune charted you know they'll they'll be like so i guess beats will be written out and then, you know, a number next to it, like eight of these or whatever. And then, so he has the whole song sort of there, but he has his own way of like using sh of some kind of shorthand. I don't write musical notes. Um, I, I can read them, but I, when I'm recording, I don't. I generally write a, like a chord chart for myself. And then if there's things about the groove that are maybe very tricky that I'm not remembering, then I'll sort of um, chart them out. In, in, you know, in sort of musical notes, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, everybody's got their own systems, I guess. But, um, you know, if I were a more schooled, uh, musician, I'd probably just write it out in musical notes, but I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. I learned mostly by ear. So, um, you know, I just do what's going to, I'm going to remember at the time. I just need to get, you know, get, it's mostly, and even in the studio we're playing by ear. So it's, um, you know, I just write something that'll make me remember what, what I'm going to, you know, what, what it is that I'm playing, what the figure is or that sort of thing. Yeah. The hieroglyphics might be interesting to other guys that are doing sessions. <laughs> I, I bet so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. it kind of reminds yeah. me of, uh, you know, Frank Zappa, the way that he worked when his band would come in, they'd clock in and he would give them, uh, pages of sheet music. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not us. I mean, that that's, you know, that is an amazing, you know, you hear these amazing stories of Terry Bozio playing with Frank Zappa and going in and having to read down drum solos and things <laughs> like that. That That's a whole other, 
that's a whole other level of, of, of reading. Ours is more, you know, more ears. Like, you know, it's everybody's listening and, and, you know, we're sort of, you know, sometimes I'll even, I'll have a chart. Maybe Linnell will send me an MP3 of a, of a demo he made at home and I'll chart out the chords and then bring it in. And then, you know, Dan Miller will be like, Hey, can I look on your chord chart kind of thing? And, you know, we'll just do it that way. And everybody's really just, you know, trying to do it by ear. And if you forget something, then you make a little mark. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so y'all, yeah, are, y'all are currently in the studio right now, right? Yeah, well, we're, we're back. We, we, when COVID hit, like I said, we were planning on being on the road for all, most of 2020. Um, and, you know, things got canceled. Um, and we had not been in the studio until this recently, this past Monday. Uh, we went in for the first time, which was kind of strange because, you know, the, the, the pandemic is at its peak. And we've put off getting together for so long. And then, you know, a couple of months ago or three months ago, even they scheduled these dates in December because we have a bunch of projects that we're trying to finish up. So they, you know, they booked this time and said, listen, we're going to hire a private doctor. And when everybody gets in the building, you'll be tested. And then we'll have the, the doctor get, even though it's not the rapid test, it's the more efficient, you know, the official test. Um, they went ahead and had it processed rapidly. So we heard within 15, 20 minutes, whatever we heard, we were all negative. And then we still stayed about 15 feet apart. But it was the first time that we all were in the same space even um, since March, since we all got off that plane in in March. Um, And it was, you know, it was exciting just, you know, I miss those guys a lot. But it was also exciting to know, like, hey, you know, we're going to be doing this again soon, hopefully, and and uh, and and just to play some new songs and and, um, and and you know get one step further to finishing these projects. Is we have a lot of stuff that's got to be finished up. So um, you know, they're releasing the um, the band is releasing a couple of hardcover bound books um, that have like beautiful artwork and the lyrics of the songs. And they're, they're not going to be released to the public. They're released to their uh, fan club. That, um, it's basically like a, a Patreon or a Kickstarter thing. Um, but a private one so that, you know, people become members and then they, they, in exchange for becoming members and supporting the band, they get, they get these, these, uh, you know, limited edition releases that don't, aren't released to the public. So they're getting like two albums of, of new material that won't be on Spotify or the radio or any of those things. And, um, and some other, uh, other recordings and stuff. So, um, yeah, so yeah, so it's, it, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're back in the studio. You know, I wish that I could say we were, we were going to be in a lot, but, um, it was kind of like, there were certain things that we, we wanted to get, uh, you know, we, we needed to get in the room. I wanted especially to be in the room with Marty and, and, uh, and Dan and, and, and be playing these particular tunes. Um, you know, during COVID, I did a number of recordings, uh, just at home. Um, you know, John Flansburg actually sent me, uh, several tracks, seven or eight tracks or something at home. And I did the bass parts at home and sent them to him. And, um, I was, at the time, I thought there might be demos, but there turns out they're going to wind up as the, the tracks on the album. So um, we did work together a little bit, but it was, you know, it was not anything like being in the same room. Um, so, yeah, you know. I imagine especially you and Marty, you know, you know, the cornerstone of 
the beat and the groove and stuff like that, I imagine it's hard to to sync up, you know, via just just getting stems from somebody and trying to play along with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's it, the the being synced up is is not so hard. It's just that you you lose the interaction. You know, like I'm sure that what we we played separately is going to sound fine. It, it'll sound locked and 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 the you know I'm sure that's going to be okay. It's just if there was anything that we wanted to change, uh, you know, that we sort of, you know, came upon as we were playing the song, that there's no opportunity for that. You know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. well, obviously you know what I mean. But um, yeah, because there's because it's it's a more lockdown. Like, okay, this is this is going to be like whatever Flan sends me, that the tracks that he sends me, I have to assume that that's those like those keyboard tracks that he he's put in and and the rhythms and stuff those are basically what are going to end up on the final version so I'm playing with those very strictly in mind and then Marty is as well you know and I, on a lot of these recordings I actually tracked before Marty which is unusual if we do track out of order or not together we usually put the drums down first so this time mm -hmm. I played the bass parts first so he was going to have to lock to me and I'm sure he did but again, it, it, it means that, you know, he may, if he had any ideas of things that might have been better in a different way, there's no opportunity for that. So, um, you know, that's, 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 you know, that's the, the issue with those kind of things. But it still can turn out pretty great, if, if, uh, especially if, if the person writing the song really has a, a sort of a solid idea of, of how the song should sound, then, um, you know, that makes our job easier. And we just sort of, you know, put our personal, uh, um, you know, our, our playing style into what's already, you know, been composed. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you, when you're doing that recording, is that your home recording studio when you're doing stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have a home studio I, I've had for, you know, for, I don't, for, seems like forever but um you know aside from being in tmbg i have um a solo project where i you know way back in about 2000 or so we tmbg did a, a children's record mm -hmm. and then since then did a few more so now i think there's i guess there's five total that have been released under the tmbg name um and then at a certain point i started releasing my own albums um because some of the songs that I had written for TMEG's children's records did really re very well. There's one song in particular, a song called I'm a Paleontologist, oh, yeah. that um, it was like the lead single for the our Here Comes Science record, and it was in national commercials, and it's, it was used in, for a couple of different uh, museums, including like I had a, wrote, wrote different versions for like a museum in Canada where I changed some of the lyrics and things like that, and um, it just did very well commercially and on the radio and et cetera, et cetera. And I had written a couple other songs before that that did pretty well. So, you know, I wrote, I kept writing songs. And at one point my wife was like, you know, instead of waiting for the next TMBG record, you have a bunch of songs. Why not write a couple more and just put out your own record? And so I did. And then now I've released five and I have a sixth one uh, ready, to, ready to be released next year. Um, so, that yeah, I'm always recording... I'm not working with TMBG. I'm always recording other stuff, and I've over the years I've I've written like hundreds of tracks for television and for television commercials and movies and things like that. So I have, you know, lots of songs that are 
you know, on lots of different television shows and, and uh, um, things that are still running now. Um, so, uh, you know, and I'm always trying to add new material. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it never stops. I try yeah. not, you know, I try to keep busy. Yeah. So if the band's not on tour and the band is not actively in the, in the studio, then I'm in the studio and, and that studio is at my house. Um, which is a long-winded answer to what you were asking about. No, that that's what I was yeah. that's what I was going to ask about um, because you know I'm I'm familiar with they might be giants, but the world of children's music is you know not something that I'm familiar with at all. Yeah, um, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised <laughs> unless you had kids of your own. Well, um, and even then, maybe not. Yeah, it, it's interesting, um, and this has come up a surprising amount of times. And, you know, doing these interviews and stuff. Um, but for instance, uh, I, I talked to Danny Croha not too long ago and he was talking about, um, when he, when he was growing up, all of the music that he first latched onto as a kid was music that he was seeing on, you know, TV and stuff. Um, right. So it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, most adults don't think about, you know, children's music but obviously children's music is probably some of the most important music out there, you know, just from the standpoint of it's like, it's what people are growing up with, you know? Um, so. Yeah. 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 I, I, well, I, I, I hope so. I, <laughs> as somebody who's now put out five records, it, it's, um, you'd, I'd like to believe it. I think that, you know, unfortunately for, for independent, uh, you know, people like myself, it, there's a like an 800 pound gorilla in the room, and that's Disney. Um, you know, basically Disney. When it comes to children's music, Disney has uh, Disney recordings, and they have their you know their television network that has all these shows. I you know I don't know what the current shows are, but I know. But when my kids were younger, there was like the Hannah Montana thing, and Victorious, and Zach and Cody, and all these other um, shows geared towards kids, and those generally any of those shows had music in them and the the people that acted in the shows like Ariana Grande was on one of the shows so they all sang and they they released records and then like I said Disney has uh Disney also has their own radio stations and stuff their 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 monopoly of the children's music world or you know or near monopoly is 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 astounding like the, the, they are probably bigger than the next 10 different uh children's music labels combined you know they're just they really just dominate everything so it's 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 tricky to, as somebody that's not part of disney to you know to sort of get noticed and have your songs become part of like you're saying you know children's music can be very important because this is what kids are hearing as you know as they're in their formative years that sort of thing um it's just trying to you know, getting the music out there. Like I, I'm fortunate in that uh, Sirius XM has a children's station that's not a Disney station, and uh, they have been playing my music, you know, for years. And each time I release a record, I send my music to them, and they've been super supportive. And 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 that music gets out um, in the world. But um, it's tough, you know. It's 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 uh, Disney really sort of dominates that scene. You know, like I'm sure that a lot of the, the music that comes out on Disney many kids in the, you know, all over the world actually will hear that music over and over and over. So that will become part of their, their, their youth. But, um, for independent children's artists, it's, it's a lot tougher. Yeah. That's something you don't think about, 
you know, but the, you know, the monopoly that those say 10 companies have on, you know, media in the United States for adults, of course it makes sense that Disney also has a monopoly on kids. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, and, and and for adults, it's, it's a few companies for, for children's music. It's, it's one, one. (laughs) it's one giant mouse. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm sure there's lots of, lots of parents, uh, you know, that can see that maybe not giving kids, uh, just content from, you know, one of the biggest corporations in the world (laughs) is probably, you know, beneficial to their, their growth, uh, as a human being. So (laughs) hopefully that'll, you know, there'll be more ways to support. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, fortunately it's not impossible to, you know, to cut through some of the noise, you know, as I said, I've been, I've been lucky with radio and that sort of thing. And, and because I played in They Might Be Giants, you know, it, it, that was definitely a leg up for me when I started making the, the children's records. So, and you know, I can't. I have to claim some guilt too. Like three of our albums with They Might Be Giants were on Disney's re- label. So you know, our, our ABC's record, our Science record, and our One Two Threes album were all released through Disney. So we were part of that 800-pound gorilla at one point. Um, and but you know, it, it, it actually was was something that was uh was sort of thought about at the time because Disney was so big within the children's world and and doing such a good job promoting the Mighty Giants that there was a there was a, a thought that that TMBG as children's artists might eclipse this whole career that they had you know sort of crafted and and worked really, really hard to to uh, develop, you know. And they had a, an amazing following, and and were selling, you know, we could sell out shows and tour around the world playing for adults. And it, there were times where where people had never even known that we had we had a, a catalog of adult music. They just knew us as a children's act due to Disney. And uh, I, you know, that was there was a conscious decision to sort of walk away from that for TMBG because. They didn't want to be known as children's artists. They wanted, you know, they wanted to continue. The children's thing was just a side project. The the real, you know, their main project is their their rock music. So um, they actually consciously sort of stepped aside, and then, you know, maybe they left a little space for me in my <laughs> my solo children's music. Yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome. What what is the sort of you know, uh, outside of Disney, what's the distribution like? Cause you know, it, it seems like a lot of, you know, kids are probably using like very limited devices and stuff and they're not going to be like, I mean, this is all just conjecture. I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously, but it seems like it'd be <laughs> hard, you know, they're not going to be on like Spotify and YouTube. Right. Just like, right. Well, that's, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, um, it's it's hard for me to figure that out sometimes as well um even though i you know i'm i'm in the, the i'm making the music uh trying to figure out the best way to get the music to reach the kids is can be really tricky like i said uh, there the you know Sirius XM has a, a a children's radio station called uh Kids Place Live um and they play independent artists often and so they're you know they're exposed to you know they, millions of people a day listen to the Sirius. So 
that's great exposure. So that for me is probably my main source of getting the music out. You know, if I release a single, I immediately send it to them and to terrestrial radio and hope that they'll play it. Um, um, and it's not, I'm not even really looking so much for profit in that case. It's, it's, it's a lot of it is just to get it out there and, and get some exposure and get people aware that the music is there. Um, but things like Spotify and, and YouTube and stuff, I don't know that the kids are, you know, I guess when kids get a little bit older, they get pretty savvy quickly these days. So they may be looking for their own things, but I would hope that maybe a parent, you know, maybe there's a TMBG fan out there who, you know, who knows that I do music, um, for children as well. And they'll get on Spotify and play the songs, you know, just, uh, do it that way. You know, they'll play the songs for their kids, just like they would play a CD for their kids or something. You know, it's, um, it's just, uh, you know, everything's streamed these days instead of, uh, you know, a physical copy of something. But um, I think this, the parents may still be the, you know, the gatekeepers. But, um, you know, so YouTube and Spotify may be where, where kids are hearing these things. I, you know, I hope so. Um, I know that, you know, like Paleontologist has well over a million listens on Spotify. Um, and I, I would imagine that's not adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, you know. So maybe, you know, I, ho- I would hope that it's it's people playing it for their kids and stuff. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Although they may not, you know, you may not think of, of kids listening to Spotify. They probably do, especially like in my home, Spotify is kind of the, it's the easiest and go-to source of music. If we're going to play music for dinner or something, one of my kids will just put on one of their Spotify playlists or something. And, and that's what we listen to. So, um, you know, maybe parents with younger kids will make their own Spotify playlists with different children's artists or something and, and, uh, and play the music that way. So, so I, I went and I listened to a bunch of your, your singles. And one thing that stuck out to me was that it seems like you're very concerned with the songs having like content and not just being kind of meaningless jargon, if that makes sense. Uh, so, so what's your, what's your songwriting process? Uh, when you, when you try and write songs and you're writing lyrics, like what, what's kind of the, the inciting incident of, of writing a song? Well, well, for, for children's music, music specifically, which is, I guess what you're referring to that you, you listen to some of the the singles that are on Spotify or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, when, when the one, one of the really fun and nice things about, doing children's music with TMBG is that they were not specifically trying to educate or um, improve the child. They just wanted to make music that children would like <laughs> that re- they really, you know, so they, so we didn't have to dumb down the music part of it and the lyrics were just not, uh, they were more, uh, with children in mind. So they, there were no curse words, obviously. And then maybe they, they, you know, would talk about, you know, being told no, or, or, uh, you know, an Island where everybody lies all the time, or, you know, just clapping your hands, whatever the, the topic was, but their, their, their music was, and, and our music, I should say, was specifically for entertainment for children, which was really nice. A lot of other children's music, has other uh, things going on with it. And, and, you know, so for me, when I wrote, I'm a paleontologist, obviously that is, you know, science and education based because it was for an album about science. 
Um, I like to write songs that are like that. So I've written more science songs and I've written like the next album that I'm coming out with is going to be called words or songs about words. And it's the first time I'm doing a themed children's album, but every song on the record has to do with something related to words. So there's a song about etymology. There's a song about hyperboles. There's a song about silent letters. There's a song about nouns, etc. Um, and so that, you know, having a subject matter before you start writing the song um, definitely, you know, points you in a, in a direction. But then, it, you know, it's like, well, all right, how am I going to sing about hyperbole? You know, and then y you have a lot of options in how you want to approach it. Um, there are times when I'm doing something that's education-based where I actually will go to an encyclopedia or Wikipedia or something like that. And, you know, if I'm singing a song about botany or something, I might look up botany um, and and look at some of the terms and, and, and sort of study it a little bit so that when I go to write the lyrics to the song, I'm, I'm more informed. Um, when I wrote, uh, I'm a paleontologist, I had a young son, and my son was infatuated with dinosaurs for, you know, several years when he was a young boy. So when I when it came time to write that song, I didn't need to uh, to to uh, to research anything. You know, it, it was all fresh in my head. I knew the terms. I knew the different dinosaurs. I knew their characteristics and stuff. So it just came out very quickly and easily. And and but then you know other times if I'm writing about something education based, I may actually go and and sort of research it, which makes it fun for me because you know I'll learn little things too. You know, and sometimes I have a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Thal, who mix the songs for me if I want to have a, another person, you know, add an ear to the, you know, I, I record all the music myself generally and then sing it or have other singers come in and, and I mix it myself and I'm, I'm doing, you know, all the engineering, everything myself. So sometimes I'll have, it's, it's nice to have somebody else with other ears to come in and, and mix and, you know, I'll play him a song. Like I did a song uh, called my magic helicopter, which talks about a helicopter flying through the different uh, 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 stars and the, and the um, astrological signs and things like that um, and um, the constellations in the sky. And, the, and he, you know, he, while he was mixing the song, he's like, I didn't know that this one was shaped like this or this, you know, like, <laughs> he's, you know he's like, I didn't expect to be learning listening to your song. So, um you know, sometimes I learn myself or, you know, I'm hoping that the children or the parents even may, may learn sometimes from some of the songs. So, yeah, if it's educationally based, I, I, I generally try to do a little bit of research. I want it to, the facts to be as accurate as possible and, and, uh, um, and, and, you know, make it something so that it is entertaining and fun and that it, maybe I'm not going to teach the complete subject to a child in a, in a two and a half minute song, but maybe there's enough information there that that child would be like, Oh, you know, Hey teacher or Hey mom or dad, you know, can we learn more about this? You know, can we learn more about clouds or, or, you know, or, or words or, or whatever the topic might be? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to inspire the parents and the kids to, to have a conversation or, or maybe a teacher can, if, if a teacher's, you know, uh, teaching an English class or something like that in, in an elementary level classroom, you know, maybe they can play a song about nouns to start the class and then go on to teach more about nouns or something. So, um, 
Yeah, that, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you know, definitely. and I mean, yeah, when it comes to songwriting, there, you know, I've written many, many songs, and so sometimes the music is first, sometimes the lyrics are first, sometimes I have a, just a melody idea. Uh, you know, many times I've been just like riding my bike, and a, and a melody pops in my head, and I just pull out my phone and sing into the phone. Um, I wrote a song called uh, "Elephants" that was on They Might Be Giants last kids record called why and i wrote the i wrote the chorus and and about half of the verse while i was riding my bike <laughs> um lyrics and all so it, ju- it just sort of popped in my head and i uh, just sang it into the phone so th- you know there's lots of different ways that these things happen but um uh that's cool so do hopefully you, that's an, your answer <laughs> yeah do you use your kids as a sounding board Oh, um, yes. Yes and no. I mean, it, it, the funny thing is, you know, I have two children that are now adults. My my son is 21 and my daughter's 18 now. Um, but, if, you know, obviously they were younger at one point and, and the songs were more appropriate for them. But um, they and my wife are probably my harshest critics, without a doubt. <laughs> um, you know, my wife has, has told me to leave songs off of albums that wound up being the lead single on the radio. <laughs> um, you know, my, my kids will be like, Oh, I, I just, I can't listen to your voice on this one because it, 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 it doesn't sound like you or, or whatever their thing is. And maybe I'm singing in a character voice. So I want it to not sound like me, but to them, it's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's not you. That's phony or whatever. Um, so, um, but then there are times where, you know, my, my daughter will, pop her head into the room when I'm recording and be like, you know, this part could use a little shaker on, you know, this section or whatever. And I'll say, all right, well, you, you know what it should sound like? And she'll say, yeah, and I'll hand her the shaker and record <laughs> her or, or, you know, my son is, is a really excellent singer. So he's, he's sung on my album since the very first one. And actually the very first tune that I wrote aside from TMBG that got on the radio was a song called uh, champion of the spelling bee. And my son was, about 11 or 12 when he sang the lead vocal on it. Um, and it went to number one on the kids radio station and, and w- was used in the script spelling bee on television. And, um, it, it, re- it was a really great start and, um, you know, he's the lead singer. So they, you know, they, he's been, fortunately it's been a fun and, and, uh, he's been a big part of some of the songs. So, and I, he's, uh, he's actually sung again. He's now in college, but he's come home at, at times and I've, got him to sing uh, background on a few of the songs that are going to be on the next record. So, and my wife sang, sings on the records and, you know, I just try to keep grab anybody I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that must be incredible, you know, being 11 and uh, it, well, <laughs> being on a, it's funny. a hit single. It's, it's kind of ri- Yeah. You would think, you would think, but you know, it's, he sang it when he was 11 or 12. By the time the, the song came out and, and was on the radio and everything, he was probably 13 or 14, so he was a young teenager. So he didn't really, you know, he was very sort of shy about it. Like, well, I don't think he was sure if his friends would think it was cool or not. So he was very, very quiet about it. And so, you know, the song actually got on the radio and then stayed in the, the charts or the kids' of the kid music charts for, for several weeks and was gradually moving up the charts. And we'd played the countdowns at the end of the week. And, you know, it was exciting for me. It was my first solo song that was getting recognized, that sort of thing. And he would just walk out of the room if it came on, um, until it reached number one. And after they announced it, he was like a couple of rooms away from me in my house. And I know he could hear it. 
And he just sort of walked up to me and very quietly gave me a big hug. Oh. You know, like, I don't know if he was saying he was proud of me or he was proud of himself or whatever, but he was finally acknowledging the song, you know. So it was a real nice father-son moment. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it, you know, it, it wasn't the kind of thing where you'd think like, oh, he'd be so excited, like telling every, all his friends, hey, I'm, you know, I'm on the radio or whatever. It, because he was a teenager, it was this big question mark for him. Like, is this cool or not? I don't know, you know. I I think that says so, so much about being a teenager, that you can have a hit song <laughs> and still be worried that people are going to think you're stupid for it, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like, yeah, sure, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a, a teenager way of thinking. Like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. That's yeah. that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, do your kids play any, uh, play in any bands or anything? My son is, 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 yeah. Yeah, my son, is a, he's a senior in college. He's been in an a cappella group. He goes to Binghamton University, upstate New York, and he's been in an a cappella group since he started. Unfortunately, this year, he's the musical director for the first time. He's in charge, and they have not been able to rehearse, or and they're not allowed to have performances. Mm-hmm. So this year, they haven't been able to do anything now that he's in charge, which is really, really unfortunate. But for the past three years, he's been singing with them, and, and his voice has improved greatly, and... It's a it's an excellent experience for a singer. You know, all, singing all those harmonies without any instruments and stuff is, to me, is like amazing. I, I've I've never done that. I never sang in the chorus and stuff when I was a kid. So, he's he's gained a lot of skill from that. And he he writes his own songs and he plays guitar and piano and things. So, um, I, we'll see. He's he's talking about pro, you know maybe pursuing it a little bit when he graduates and see where it takes them. Um, my daughter has a lot of natural ability and was a drummer when she was very young, but I think she didn't want to, um, didn't want to compete with the family, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, profession or something. So she, she opted out and chose sports and art for a while. So, um, and I think she's maybe happier for it. Um, but she, you know, she loves music. She just doesn't, uh, she doesn't play anymore. So, yeah, I I can't imagine uh, how cool it would be to grow up in a house with you know people writing and recording music all around you. That's a pretty pretty cool experience, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, you know, it's um for them, it's it's all they've ever known. You know, so it's it's not um, for like if a kid grows up in a house that doesn't have that and, and say they want to be a singer or, or a musician or songwriter or something like that, um, they may, you know, fantasize about that. Like, wow, you know, wouldn't that be so cool? But to my kids, that's the only house they've ever lived in. So, you know, they, they maybe don't think of it outside the box as much as that. They, you know, they're sort of, it's just like, that's just what dad does. Um, and I think my, you know, my son obviously loves music, so he thinks it's cool, but it's, it's not uh it's not novel. It's not, you know, it's not unusual to them. It's just kind of that's what dad does and and sometimes that means that dad has to leave town for 3 weeks or a month at a time and that part of it I don't think is they think is cool. I mean, now they do because they they're jealous of all the places that I've gotten to go and and that sort of thing, but when they were kids, they just wanted me to get home. So, um, you know, it 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 can be a a double-edged sword for for a child, I think. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I hope that <laughs> when they, uh, now that they're both adults, um, maybe it will be something, you know, maybe they'll see like, Hey, you know, nobody, other, nobody else's parents are doing that in my neighborhood. So 
Maybe that is kind of cool. It would be nice to get some cred from your own children. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned, you know, going and playing out and stuff like that. Uh, you know, They Might Be Giants is one of those bands that uh, seems to have done super well in Europe. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's certain bands that it, it seems like Europeans maybe get it more than the average American or something. Um, what is touring like for y'all? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a really nice, it's a tremendous feeling to be in, you know, in a foreign country and, and have people recognize the band. I mean, when we, we've told toured Australia um, several times now. And I remember like being in a, in a hotel room and for this particular tour, like each time we got to a new city, there'd be a picture of the band on the entertainment section of the newspaper. Like they might be giants are in town and we'd be the front page of the entertainment section of that, that city's paper. So if we were in Melbourne or Sydney or, or wherever, Brisbane, each time we got to a new town, we'd be on the cover of their entertainment section. And I was in a hotel room and, and there was a TV ad and it said, get the new albums from Britney Spears, NSYNC, or They Might Be Giants. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like, what? Like they, they said They Might Be Giants in the same sentence as Britney Spears, like, like as if we were like this giant pop thing. But, you know, to... Australia at that time, we had songs on the radio and we were playing in town and, and it was like they were making the thing of it. And it was really, it was a tremendous feeling. It really, it was, uh, you know, it's such a great feeling to go, you know, be so far from home and have people, you know, who they'll come up to you and say, oh, I've been listening to the band for 15 years and I love this record and I love that record. And it, yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. And, and, and also like to be somewhere like in Germany, you know, we were in, in uh, I forget what town, if it was Cologne or, or some, not one of the largest cities, not Berlin or something, but one of the German cities. And we were playing, and in the middle of the set, there was sort of a, something was going on tech-wise on stage or whatever. So we had to stop between songs for a couple of seconds, and the, and the guys were talking to the audience or whatever. And then just spontaneously, the audience started singing one of the very old, like from the first record, one of the songs from that record, a couple of audience members just started singing it and, and half the audience started joining in and they sang it a cappella to us. And, but they're Germans. So they're singing it with their German accent. <laughs> and it was, it was just amazing. It was just like, wow, this is like, this is such a wonderful feeling. And I'm sure that John and John, you know, having written those songs and stuff, it, it, it probably touches them you know, even more than it does me, but just to even be on stage and, 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 and be part of that experience is, is, is really special. Yeah. Did they, uh, do they think you were German from your last name when you're over there? <laughs> um, well, it is my, my last name actually is German, but, um, I, nobody really, you know, they know that I'm American. So I don't know that, it, you know, I think once or twice, somebody may have said, Hey, do you know, you know, where your family's from or, or that sort of thing. And, and, I, I actually don't because my, my family's I'm like eighth generation American. So they, they've been in this country for so long that, you know, some of them came from Germany w way back when, but also from England and, and, and a bunch of other places. Um, 
so I'm not even sure. But I know there is a, there's a town in, in Germany called Weinkauf. So yeah, maybe that's, that's where my thinking. family came from. Yeah, yeah it, you know, maybe we're from there. <laughs> but, you know, probably 50-50 chance of that. But, um, yeah, so. Well, awesome. Danny, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your night to talk to me. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I, you know, I hope that uh, you guys can put this into put some format that, that uh, people want to hear. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best with everything. Um, you know, like I said in, in the beginning when we were speaking, you know, it sounds like you guys really you have your hands in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different pies and that's, that's, that's terrific. Um, so I hope to run into you again, you know, through the label or through maybe promoting shows or whatever, but, um, uh, let's keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would be awesome. Definitely. All right. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll speak to Pete and let him know that you guys were all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, all right man. Thanks, Danny. Be well. Have a good night. You too. Okay, take care. This has been a Comfort Monk production.